right. Well, I want to I talk to you. Our Bible text is going to take us to a story of a family with some issues. Uh, every family has its own issues. Uh, mine does. Yours does. We all does, doesn't we? <laughs> all right, all God's children got some issues. We all, we all have some issues. Uh, we don't know a ton about this family, but on the surface, they do seem to have some money. They've got enough money that they've got some land. This family's got some livestock, and there's enough cash in savings that there is an inheritance uh, for the kids uh, planned to, to give to them when, when dad dies. Uh, in the story, there's dad and two brothers. Mom's never mentioned in the story. We don't know if she's alive and there and just not mentioned or she had passed away or left uh, the family or run off with the circus. We don't know. Mom is just not mentioned in this story at all. Uh, even though there is a dad and there is an older brother and there's a younger brother, I would say the main character in our story today is forgiveness. Main character in our story today is forgiveness. Let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 15. This is a story about a family that Jesus Christ himself told. Luke 15 verse 11, then he, the he here being Jesus, said a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them, to both sons, his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him Anything. So the story starts off this morning with this younger son approaching dad and says, Dad, you know all the cash that I will get when you die? You know all that stuff? And he's like, yeah. He's like, I'd kind of like to have it now. Now, if my kids approach me with this question, <laughs> I think I'd have a whole lot of answers for them. Basically, what they're saying is, Dad, I wish you were dead. <laughs> So I could get your stuff right now. How many would have an answer prepared for your child? I would have, I would have probably four or five options. But for this dad, for some reason, and I don't, I don't know why, this dad says, okay, if you want it now, I'll give it to you now. And so he takes their inheritance and he divides it up and gives, you know, I'm assuming half to the younger son and half to the older son, and so the younger son packs his bags and goes off to find himself and begins to make some really, really poor choices. The scripture says that he wasted his money on prodigal living. Now, we don't know exactly what that looks like, but we can imagine it was the party life. It was the party life. Some of the old timers in the, in the room might say that he was spending his inheritance on wine, women, and song. Uh, maybe he had uh, gambled some of it away. Maybe he made some unwise investments with his buddy Bubba. We don't know. We don't know. But within a short time, the younger son is broke and he's broken. 
He was so broke that he's lusting after the slop that the pigs were eating. And it's in this moment that he has a thought. Everybody say thought. He has a thought. Look at verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my fathers? He starts thinking about home. He starts thinking about dad. How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare? And yet I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to, again, my father, and I will say to him, Father, three times right here in, in two verses, saying, Father, 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 I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So now we get a little bit more information about this young man's choices. Again, we don't know exactly what he was doing, but he himself identifies his own choices as sin. He is making sinful choices. He's chosen sin, and what are the results? Apparently, sin promised something that it could not deliver. Sin said, hey, young man, pursue me, and I'll satisfy you. Sin said, hey, young man, spend your money on me, and then you'll be happy. Sin said, hey, good-looking Try me, and then you'll be fulfilled. Sin made itself look so appealing to this young man that he literally spent everything he had on sin. And instead of finding what he was looking for, instead of being happy and fulfilled, instead of discovering his true self, living out his dreams, instead of those things, he's sad, he's hungry, he's broke, and he's broken. Has anyone in the room ever had a similar experience with this liar named Sin? Please, do not look at me with self-righteous eyes this morning. <laughs> Has anyone in the room ever got to the end of a pursuit with Sin and just found yourself broke and broken? I have. For the past 10 weeks, we've been doing a study on the Apostles' Creed, which is a simplified belief statement of our Christian faith. And this week, we find ourselves on the line that says, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. This is our line in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Friends, that is an awesome belief. Because it's one of the beliefs that makes a relationship with Jesus Christ different from most other religions in the world. Most other religions in the world don't offer true forgiveness. They offer a system in which you can attempt to atone for your own sins. Or they offer ways that you can hopefully make sure that your good works outweigh your bad works, but they do not offer a total and complete forgiveness solely based on the works of someone else. But we believe in the forgiveness of sins. Let's unpack that a little bit. The first thing we need to know about this truth, this I believe statement is this. In order to be forgiven of sin, we first have to admit that we are sinners. I often hear people say, you know, I'm a good person. I mean, I'm not, I'm not perfect. Don't get me wrong. I got, you know, I got my, I got my flaws like everybody else. But overall, I'm, I'm a good guy. I hear people say that a lot. And I don't want to depress anyone in the room this morning. <laughs> but can I just be honest with you and tell you, we actually are not great people. 
We're, we're just actually not great people. And if you don't believe me, just go to a Little League game. Come on, somebody. Just go to an amusement park and stand in line for an hour for a three-minute ride. All right? We're just, we're just not great. Just go Black Friday shopping. Three hours before you bowed your head and prayed over a turkey and thanked God for what he gave you. And three hours later, you and some woman you don't even know are going toe-to-toe over a big screen TV. We ain't good people. Can I remind you that the first murder on the planet happened when the population was four. And it didn't happen because of a lack of money. It didn't happen because the world was overcrowded. It didn't happen because of a lack of education. It happened because there was jealousy in the human heart. And one brother rose and killed another brother. At our core, apart from God, we ain't good people. (laughs) Jeremiah 17 and verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Romans 3 and verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are not great people who just need more money, more rest, more space, and more education. We are a lost people that need to be redeemed by a great God. That's what we are. So in order to be saved by Jesus, every person has to come to terms with their own need for a Savior. If you still think you're a pretty good person, you're probably not saved. Pastor, nobody said amen. I know. It's in there on purpose. I'm, I, that we're, we're, we're creating this tension right now because, listen, if you don't know how bad you are, Without Jesus, you won't know how good life can be with Jesus. Until you see yourself like the prodigal son and you you get a thought, you have a moment that you are totally helpless without God, wallowing in your own sin, you won't even know that you need to be redeemed. So here's the prodigal, he's he's hungry, he's dirty, he's empty, he's broken. Then he comes to himself and he realizes, I'm not all that. I need my father. I need to return to his house. I need a relationship with him. And in order for you and I to live in the reality of this truth that we're proclaiming, I believe in the forgiveness of sins, we first admit that we are sinners who need a savior. Let's look back at the story, Luke 15 and verse 20. And he arose, the prodigal son arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. Everybody say compassion. The father has compassion. And he ran and he fell on his neck and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Now I want you to see what's going on in the mind of the son right now. The son has had his own revelation that he is a sinner who needs his father. But he doesn't truly understand the forgiveness of sin. So what he does is he demotes himself. 
He says, I'm not worthy to be restored to this father-son or this parent-child relationship. I'm not worthy of that. So instead, I'll just go home and I'll ask my father to make me a servant. Friends, I think many of us often treat ourselves the same way. Because of our relationship with sin, we often condemn ourselves, hate ourselves, punish ourselves, and relegate ourselves to this standoffish relationship with God. Like, listen, okay, I know I'm a bad guy. I know I need him, but I'm not worthy to have him, so I'm just going to stand about right here. He's there, and I'm here, and there's not a lot of distance between us, but there is some distance between us because I know what I've done. I know where I've been. I know my own heart, and, and I know it's not good, and so I'm not really worthy to be here. So I just demote myself, and I'll have this type of relationship. Verse 22. But the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe, and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Sandals on his feet's a big deal. Best robe's a big deal. Ring on his hand, big deal. Best robe means I'm covering him. Ring says I'm giving him the authority of the family. The ring, if they had to sign a contract or a document, you wouldn't put your signature on something. You would take that ring and you would dip it oftentimes in blood. And then every family had its own ring, a little signet ring. And you would put that on, on the paper. You would put that on the contract saying that you had the authority to do that for your family. What the father was saying is I'm restoring your authority in your family. I'm restoring your place in the family. And no slaves would have had shoes at that time. No servants would have had shoes so he says dad I'm just going to come just let me sleep in the barn I'll just be a servant and he says no 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 go get some go get some good sandals and put on the boy because he is not going to be my slave he is my son verse 23 and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry everybody say merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He is lost and found, and they begin to be married. Now, this is so interesting to me. The father rejects the son's proposal to be a servant and instead immediately restores him to his place in his, in his family. This is awesome. The father does not rub his face in his sin. What would some of us done when he comes back empty, broke, all the money gone? I gotta, I gotta be honest. I'd have been like, do you know how much money you went through? Do you know how many years I worked for that money? Do you know the price your mother and I paid to put you through school and to feed you, you ungrateful? Would anyone? Some of y'all just looking at me like, no, Pastor, I wouldn't. You would! You would. You're probably worse than me. But the father does not berate him. The father doesn't say, okay, you can come back, but you are sleeping in the barn. The father immediately begins to celebrate his son's repentance. Immediately. No time out. Immediately. Friends, this is a parable told to us by Jesus. And Jesus is using it to teach us something about who we are. But he's also using it. To teach us something about who the Father is. 
We serve a God that celebrates the repentance of his people. And when we turn from God, God does not, or when we turn from sin, God does not rub our faces in it. He rejoices in restoring us to relationship with him. Thank you, Lord. So the father says, it's party time. It's party time. We're going to rejoice. We're going to celebrate. But not everybody is happy. (laughs) Not everybody wants to come to the party. Look at verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked what these things meant. He's like, hey, I I hear banjos. What's going on? What, I, I, hear, I hear some guitars. What's, someone's on the accordion. What's going on? Nobody told me. He says, what's happening? So he called one of the servants and says, what do these things mean? Verse 27, and he said to him, your brother's come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. Verse 28, but he was angry. What? what? Your brother's been gone. Apparently for quite a while and no one's heard. There's no email. There's no text. No one's, no one's heard from him. Their dad must have been concerned that maybe he's actually dead. And now he's come home and he's safe. And there's a party. But the older brother is angry. He wouldn't go to the party. Therefore, his father came, came outside. He pleaded with him. Hey, please come in. Let's celebrate. Your, your little brother's come home. Verse 29, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. Sounds like a Garrett County kid, doesn't it? (laughs) Fighting, I never got a goat. But anyway, (laughs) you never gave me a young goat that I may marry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, he didn't call him his brother. As soon as this son of yours, that's that's a dig at dad. Who has devoured your livelihood with harlots. As soon as he came, you killed the fatted calf for him. Yikes. Big bro is not happy at all. Now, we don't know a lot about big brother. But based on his comments, I would say big brother is prideful and legalistic. He says that he has never disobeyed the father. Y'all, that's like saying I have never sinned. But yet Romans 3 and verse 23, we looked at at the beginning of the message, says all (laughs) have sinned. There's none righteous. No, not one. And here's here's the thing about prideful people. They never see their own sin. But they see the sins of others way too well. Prideful people withhold things like mercy and grace. Prideful people just always kind of have a low-grade anger going on. Just always upset, just always mad, just always picking out the faults of someone else. Prideful people struggle to receive forgiveness. Therefore, they struggle to give forgiveness. Look at what dad said to him. He said, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. Dad says, son, celebrating forgiveness is the right thing to do. Whenever we study Luke chapter 15, and it's one we come to over and over again because there's so many life lessons here in Luke 15. Here's what I know. That in the room or listening online today, there are probably some younger brothers or sisters 
in the room this morning. And there are probably some older brothers slash sisters in the room this morning. I want to talk to, to both groups of people. Let me talk to the younger brothers and sisters first. And what I mean by that, I don't mean age-wise. I mean to the person who feels like the younger brother, the person who feels unworthy to be called a child of God because of your sin. Here's what I want you to know. If you have truly repented of your sin, Jesus already died for it. He already felt your shame. He already carried your guilt. He already went through the feeling of being forsaken for your sin. And he paid its penalty in full. If that's true, and it is, if he already carried the guilt and the shame and the punishment, then you do not have to. You don't have to carry that anymore. This is good news. We, we started saying this back in the old building a number of years ago, and it pops up from time to time, but it's still true because it's the word of God. The sin that you struggle to get over, God doesn't even remember. The sin that you struggle to get over, God doesn't even remember. And punishing ourselves for sin might seem like a noble thing to do. Self-hatred, self-condemnation. It might seem like a noble thing to do. Like, oh, I'm being real humble now because I'm hating myself for what I did against myself or against God or against others. But can I tell you, the reality is this. Condemnation is a work of Satan. It's not a work of God. Hating someone God loves is wrong. Even if that someone is you. Today, if you've repented of sin, you stand right now before the throne of God, not like this. But the Bible says, now some of you think I'm being unholy here. I'm just telling you what scripture says. You are not in a standoffish relationship. If you've repented of your sin, you are washed in the blood of Jesus. You are not in a standoffish relationship with God the Father. You are sitting on his lap. Scripture says we are seated with him in heavenly places. You are totally forgiven. Totally clean. Can someone just thank him today? Just thank him. Now let me talk to the big brothers and sisters in the room. Some of us look down on others because maybe we have never committed the sins they have. Friends, let us be very, very, very careful. When we think too highly of ourselves, we are walking on dangerous ground. Because any of us, any of us, are capable of any sin. Remember the woman caught in adultery, in the very act of adultery, drug to the feet of Jesus. What did Jesus say? He says, okay, guys, you caught her. She's guilty. You're right. According to the law, you're right. She ought to die 
just one, just one little caveat here before we, before we kill her, before we start the stoning, before we start to deliver justice here, just one little thing was just one little qualifying question. Just think through this with me just, just real, real, real quick. Remember, here she is, humiliated, covered in what? <laughs> Who knows? All these men standing there with their rocks. And Jesus says, you, yeah, you, got, you, you guys are applying the law just down, just to the letter of the law. That's exactly what the law says we ought to do. But just one thought before we go ahead and, and administer justice here. He who is without sin, won't you go ahead and get us started? And every. Everyone, bam, bam, just dropped their rocks and walked away. If you're here today and you think you're better than anyone else, the scripture calls you to the same repentance as the prodigal because your pride is just as bad as his prostitute. That's some good preaching right there. Some of us are living like the younger brother, condemning ourselves. Some of us are living like the older brother, thinking too highly of ourselves. But the truth is, most of us, we probably have a little of both in us. That's the tension we live in. You see, as we mature in our faith, we should sin less. But at the same time, the more aware of sin we will become. Does that make sense? Like the, the, the longer I walk with Jesus, I, I ought to sin less. But yet as I walk with him, I'm growing closer to him. The more aware of sin I become. And so what I didn't think was sin five or ten years ago, now to me, yeah, that's, that's probably a lesser choice. Best thing I can think of is entertainment choices. And I've used these illustrations before, but it, they just make sense. You ever be strolling through the channels and maybe you get one of those retro channels that show an old shows from your childhood. And just all of a sudden, just you get warm, fuzzy feelings. And, and oh, I remember watching that show. And, I, you know, man, Friday nights we had that show with popcorn and everything. And you tell your wife and kids or your husband and kids, whatever the, the thing is. And you say, hey, y'all, come on, 8 o'clock, we're going to watch this show. Come on, get, get the skinny pop. Come on, get something. Let's get some s'mores. Let's get in here. Let's sit down and watch it. And five minutes into it, your cheeks are red. You are embarrassed. You're realizing this is filth. And you shut it off. What happened? You grew. You grew. It's good. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing that you have to explain to your family why you used to watch filth, trash, and nastiness. <laughs> but the good news is you grew. Somebody say, I'm growing. <laughs> Somebody, someone will say, well, Pastor, if this is true, I believe in the forgiveness of sins. If I'm forgiven, why do I not feel forgiven? Well, because some of us are like my cats. We have a, a dog who's precious. We have two cats. Thank you for your prayers. <laughs> anyway, anyway, here's what my cats do. One of the reasons I like my dog more than my cats is because my cats 
kill things and bring them to us. I know it's supposed to be a sign of honor, love, respect, something like that. They need to learn a new love language. <laughs> dead things, dead rodents is not my love language. But here's the deal with the cats. They kill something, but then they continue to play with it. Right? And here's what the Bible says. The Bible says we are to reckon ourselves dead to sin. But some of us are looking at dead sin and going... We're just playing with it. So the reason we still still feel stained by our sin is because even though it's dead, we're over here. Stop playing with dead stuff. Somebody say amen. amen. Here's another reason that we don't always feel forgiven. Recovery takes time. We have people every week going in for surgery. And I'll check on them, say, hey, how'd the surgery go? And usually talk to their spouse or a family member and say, hey, how'd the surgery go? And they said, the doctor said the surgery is 100% successful but it's going to take six weeks to recover wait a minute what no it's absolutely true the surgery is successful but for some surgeries it might take six months to fully heal from the surgery friends sometimes we're forgiven right now God immediately forgives us but the sin has taken its toe on us and it's going to take a little bit of time for us to heal from that that's why God doesn't want us playing with sin. That's why he doesn't want us sinning is because sin always hurts us. Somebody say amen. amen. And, then, and then finally, why don't I, why don't I feel forgiven? Is sometimes it's just we've not renewed our minds. This week we're going to put a graphic out on social media so it'll be just like a quick reference for you to study some scriptures to renew your mind about the forgiveness of God. Sin. we got to get the word of God on the inside of us because as long as we don't know the word, Satan will beat us up with our past. But when we get the word of God and we hide it in our hearts, that's wise about it. Hey, this morning we're going we're gonna to celebrate the new covenant. And, and this, this lines up with the forgiveness of sins. If you don't have your communion elements, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and get them out. If you're with us today and you don't consider yourself a Christian, please don't, don't feel like you need to participate in this. And uh, It wouldn't even make sense for you to participate in communion because what we're saying is that this, this little bit of bread here represents the body of Jesus and the blood or the cup represents his blood. And so this is something that, that Christians do. But we, we find this, this truth that we're celebrating in Matthew 26 in verse 26, Jesus had celebrated the Passover with his disciples, and it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood, watch this now, of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission. This word remission means forgiveness of sins. When the prodigal repented... The father threw a party. And so today, I think there's, there's a couple of things in place here. 
if there's some sin in our lives that we need to repent of and give to the Lord and not make excuses for, but just tell him, hey, I don't want this in my life anymore. I'm giving this to you. I ask you to forgive me. I need to turn from that, and I need to turn from you. You don't want a standoffish relationship with me. You want me to be right here, and this sin is, is trying to come between us. If there's something you need to repent of, now is a great time to do that. But also, if you're a person who, who you've condemned yourself, you, you think you're a failure, you think you're unworthy to be called a son or a daughter of God, I'm telling you, that is not from Jesus. And today, as we eat this bread and we drink this cup, I want you to know what the blood of Jesus, he formed a brand new covenant where you're not forgiven based upon your works. You're forgiven based upon the work of Calvary, the work of the cross. He carried your guilt and your shame. You don't have to carry it anymore. Let's take this bread and let's eat today. In the same way he took the cup, the book of Hebrews says that what the blood of bulls and goats could not do God did through the blood of his own son, cleansing our conscience from dead works. Let's take this cup. Let's drink it. Let's be cleansed today. Let's be reminded of the celebration of forgiveness of sins. 